ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to Eleven. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Greg Dutcher sitting across from me. Greg, how you doing today? Hey, doing great, Nathan. Doing great, man. So uh, we've got a really great uh, episode for everyone tonight, Greg. This is one that a lot of people have been asking about, grace-based parenting. But first... I need to set the record straight on something. Dude, <coughs> let me say, you need to try to set it straight because, Nathan, you, you've, uh, gotten, you've gotten beat up a little bit, man, I, on I social have. media. I have. Some people uh, have been unkind to you. That's right. Um, and so first, I, I would like to say, if you have not listened to the Breaking Bad episode, you need to listen to it. Second, if you've listened to it, you need to re-listen to it <laughs> to actually hear what I said on the podcast. <laughs> that's right. Some people have said that I compared Breaking Bad to Smallville. Right. I did no such thing. Yes. Actually, what my exact words were, Smallville is a teenage soap opera. Yep. That was not on the same level with Breaking Bad. Yep. What I said was what I thought Smallville did really well in developing their villain character, Lex Luthor, over four seasons. Right. Where I felt like in the first episode, Breaking Bad, Walter White jumps right into the villain. Yep. That was what I said. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just setting that straight now. My exact words, Smallville, teenage soap opera. <clears throat> yes, I still love it. It's Superman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what I thought they did well was in four seasons. This is a 10-season uh, 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 series. Yep. They did very well. Lex Luthor doesn't even really become Lex Luthor that we know him as until season five or six. Yeah. And so in that time, he's struggling with the good and the evil, and um, there are a lot of interesting things brought up. It's not a dramatic switch. It's this slow choices are made here and there where he's being pushed and driven to become the person he's going to be. And in Breaking Bad, I just remembered the very first episode, Walter White is cooking meth, and I felt like it was just a very dramatic um, – what it was just a very dramatic uh, change yeah, that occurred. Nathan, I'm going to comment on that, but for a moment, Steve, are you all right? Are you having an asthmatic no, I, attack? I'm hanging in there. Sorry, I, even, I tried to shield my microphone from that. <laughs> that was awesome. It was almost like I thought you were so excited about what Nathan was sharing. You were like, "Dude, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch Smallville." How many other people have actually died during the? I forgot Steve was online. I was, I was looking say. at you guys. Which one of you is doing that? <laughs> we get a prank call from like a heavy breather. Man. I know, right? <laughs> We've had James King, but we haven't had that yet. But uh, I will say uh, to the audience, I did go back and listen. And in fairness to Nathan, because I was jumping in there ripping him too, because uh, we can thank Andrew Landis, That's right. our mutual friend. Andrew was the one that sort of was the lightning rod of that comment. So, yeah. Andrew, the question is, are you going to issue a public apology to Nathan? And if you don't, uh, I won't flog you too bad because Nathan still hasn't watched Breaking Bad. So <laughs> he does deserve some uh, bludgeoning for that. I, but, I uh, do, but but bludgeon me in the appropriate way. Exactly. <laughs> we want to bludgeon you in a Christ-like way. You so know, we'll, I felt we'll like coming on here and, and almost doing like the Bill Clinton thing. I did not say that <laughs> about Breaking Bad. <laughs> Depends what is is. Yeah, that's, that's right. It, it depends on what the definition of is <laughs> Dude, is. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yes, but that is. Uh, I will defend you there, bro. So uh, second on the list, and uh, probably most importantly for all our uh, listeners out there, we do have the winners. The winners. Uh, the winners of our books. Uh, the MacArthur biography by um, who was it? Uh, Ian Murray. Ian Murray. Wow. Um, 
our first one is Dustin Medicus or Medicus from Las Vegas, Nevada. Sin City. Um, so, <laughs> at Dustin Medicus. So uh, just for that, we'll be sending you MacArthur's fully fundamental book biography. Yep. yep. So that way you can you know become thoroughly insaturated there in, in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> exactly. Something – because I think when people think – don't you think, Dave Shive? When people think of John MacArthur, they think Las Vegas, yes. Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> Those, yeah. They go hand in hand. That's right. So Dustin, thank you for bringing Johnny Mac to Sin City by – Getting on Twitter. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, and then secondly, because uh, we did say we were going to give away two of these books, uh, Matt Fowl at Matt116 um, on Twitter uh, from Xena, X-E-I-N-A, Ohio. Yeah, it's got to be Xena, right? Xenia. 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 So yeah. you do say the yeah. X. Yeah, I think so. Now, do you know where that is, David, Ohio? I don't even know. Near <sighs> no, Cleveland, Columbus, or Cincinnati, yeah. going top to bottom. There, it's got to be near one of those cities. Yeah. But uh, so we got an Ohio dude yep. and a Nevada dude and a Nevada dude. So Congratulations, the, guys! Uh, MacArthur biography, and then um, we have the uh, James King controversy by James White goes to Luke Fontaine at Luke J Fontaine. <clears throat> so that is, and he is from Canada. So yes. that is uh, that is going to be sent out to you, um, you all, as soon as uh, as soon as possible. So, if you could please, please email us your address. Um, the email is these go to eleven, all spelled out. Then the number fifteen at gmail dot com. These go to eleven fifteen at gmail dot com. Email us your uh, address, your physical address, and we will get those out to you. Yeah, and and. Could somebody get a crash card for Steve Harlan? <laughs> Steve, dude. Yeah, hello. Man, this, man. This, this is what we're hearing on our end. You're probably hearing on your end, right? This is where <sighs> I need to know. Now, Steve, in, in what, your What are you hearing? The, we're, we're hearing a uh, lot of wheezing. A lot of wheezing, heavy breathing. In fairness to our audience, they may not know Steve's homesick. He is. Yep. And uh, so he's not in the studio here. I don't here. think I'm. I guess this microphone is better than I thought. Wow. Wow. It must be sensitive. Unless there's like some like fifth-party hacker that's gotten in here. That it so, is. so if I go, you really hear that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Loud yeah. and clear, Steve. Yeah. Wow, it is sensitive. Yeah. Loud and right. clear. But Steve, tell us, man. I mean, I don't think the audience wants to. So if to... I'm going to blow my nose off, I better warn you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, and um, I don't think the audience wants the gory details, but you have had my most unfavorite, probably everybody's most unfavorite, kind of. <clears throat> garden variety illness of a, a gi nature is that correct that's exactly man it, it uh, hit me yesterday and uh last night was a bad night oh doing a good bit better this evening good brother good and uh as, as we were saying nathan normally people get sick to their stomach after they spend time with dave shive not <laughs> on this podcast right yeah. on the podcast <laughs> yeah. it's but see i think what it is dave steve was so distraught about possibly being in a room with you right. that his body just shut down. Yeah, could be. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and this is a uh, this is a first for us, Greg, where we actually have two of our regulars on at the same time. I, yeah, we've never done albeit it. not hey. in the same room, but they are on yeah. at the same time. Yes, yeah, it's kind of one of those great scenes, like Heat. You remember Heat? That's right. Where uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, yeah, for the first time met on the screen. Yeah. That's you, Dave. That's it. You and Steve Hartland. So Steve and Matt have never Which been on together. Can I be Al Pacino? Yeah, you can be Al. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably rather be De Niro, man. So, yeah, is that who you want to be, Dave, De Niro in this? I'm fine with De Niro. Good, yeah. good. Um, yeah, this is the first time. No, we've never had Matt and Steve, Matt yeah. and Dave. So uh, uh, these two regulars are here together. And uh, 
Dave, you guys know each other a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Steve and I go back to the uh, early 70s. 70s, man. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Back when Bible college students were men. That's right. <laughs> That's probably before most of the audience, <laughs> before their parents had met each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. In fact, am I right on this, Mr. Bell? You were not born in the 70s? That is correct. Wow. Dude. Shortly uh, thereafter. Yeah. But, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, I can say I was. I was born in 70. So I, uh, I was around. Okay. But just Now, to... I do have siblings who were born in the 70s. Actually, I have a sister who's your age, Greg. Oh, okay. Very cool. So, yeah. Very cool. So you got one, one, one. 70 year. Yeah. So, uh, no, we are thrilled though, Nathan, as we've been saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have gotten so many requests uh, for a podcast on parenting. And because yes. we've, we've hinted at it, it's yep. come up. I think, Dave, you've said some things about it. Steve, you said uh, uh, some things in the past, uh, some, some guests we have. And um, I honestly, all jokes aside, couldn't be more excited. I've known both these guys for a while. Um, and. Don't let me do the leading questions, Nathan. I'm just excited. Yeah, we're just we're going to jump right in. And Greg, you and I have said it um, for this podcast. Uh, you and I are just asking questions, yep. but we want um, uh, Steve and Dave. We want you guys to be the ones to answer these because we know our audience is very excited about it. Um, real quick, just um, a little bit of background on you guys. Um, a- as you look back on yourselves as uh, children. And, and thinking about the way your parents parented, did you have any intention of parenting your children similarly or differently than uh, than your parents? Dave? Well, I would say that um, it was a little hard. My mother died when I was 13, so the real strategic parenting <clears throat> time of the teenage years, I really didn't have a mother. Uh, my father was a very strong presence in my life. Uh, by the time I was a teenager, I began to see things about his parenting style that I did not want to emulate. Mm. Uh, but I also knew there were some things that he did well. I think consciously, I ch- there were the things that I was conscious about were the things I didn't want to replicate. Mm-hmm. The things that I think were more intuitive were things that I appreciated, but maybe didn't dwell on quite as much, but I ended up being a, a father like him, mostly in the good things. Very good. Steve? Yeah, I would say uh, it, it depends which which things in them. Uh, for example, um, well, I was not raised in a Christian home, and the only manual my parents had on parenting, I can remember it was a big, thick, pink book that sat in our uh, dry sink, and it was by uh, Benjamin Spock. Oh, yeah. Oh, Dr. Spock. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I was a Dr. Spock kid. <laughs> yeah. And basically, that book really only needed one page, and that page would say, let them do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. So that, that was kind of the parenting philosophy in our home. And I, I remember uh, any time my mother and father would battle it out to see whose parenting choice was going to win, my mother's choice always won. Hmm. So uh, it was really my mother's parenting style. And her parenting style toward my sister was one thing, and toward me it was a very different thing. So toward me, I could do nothing wrong, and I had the most marvelous qualities anyone could possibly have on the planet. So wow. I kind of believed those things until I met Debbie and got married, and then <laughs> found, found out I had a few ways to grow. Wait, um, are, are, are you trying to tell us if Debbie doesn't think those things about you? <laughs> oh, well, she does now. Oh, I okay, good. Matured, yeah. <laughs> But uh, there were a few adjustments she had to work on before. Uh, On the other hand, uh, what I really like about their parenting is that there was just lots and lots and lots of love in that house. 
it was just slathered upon us. My dad's a big sweetheart of a man, and I can't remember him ever having a, a stern word for me. So yeah, that, that was a great model to me. Really, really love your kids, and I witnessed it throughout my youth. Neat. That's that's really cool. Um, as you look back on, that's funny. He's trying to call me right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Nice. Um, as you guys look back on um, your your parenting style and and how you raised your children, um, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through the different stages of life, and we're gonna. Um, pull out some different things. And I know Dave, you have some things because you actually went to your children and asked them. And so Mm -hmm. we want to get to that in a little bit, but um, looking back on um, their, their early years, preteen years, um, what are some things that you noticed in your parenting style that if, if you were going back and, and you had to tell your younger self, you know, Hey, these are some things that you need to keep in mind that you should do. Um, what what are some of those things that, that you look back and you say, you know what, I think we did that well. I would encourage other parents to do some of these same things. Well, um, the season of parenting that we were in was was new from the standpoint that prior to the 1970s, there was uh, precious little Christian literature or sound uh, literature on parenting. Dobson didn't real. Dobson came along in the seventies, uh, mid to late seventies, with like Dare to Discipline, mm-hmm. and the tools he was coming out with at that point were of tremendous value to us as young parents. My pa- parents had Clyde Naramore. I don't know if that name rings a bell or not. He yes, was, yeah, I remember. That. Yeah, he was the Christian psychologist who wrote on uh, parenting and da- dating and sex and all that kind of thing. But it was very, very 1930s, 1940s kind of stuff. Mm. So we had the luxury that my parents didn't have of at least some, some good, uh, perspectives. And so we, we took that, uh, very seriously. And uh, a couple things that, that we did that I feel really good about. One is we determined to never discipline in anger. And uh, almost without exception, I think we held to that. Wow. Uh, and uh, uh, we, uh, we did do corporate, uh, corporal punishment. We mm-hmm. did spank. Uh, but uh, we had uh, a system in place to make sure that we didn't do it in anger, that we did it consistently. And for my wife and me, we wanted to be totally consistent between the two of us. We didn't want our kids to play us one off of the other. Uh, and surprisingly, I tended to be the more soft-hearted person, hmm. and my wife, who is really the soft-hearted person, tended to be the more strict kind of mother. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, it would have been easy for our kids to play us one against the other, but we determined we didn't want to do that. So we were very consistent, and we had a way of disciplining that we determined we were going to stick with it, Yeah, kind of a formula. Uh, and that protected us and our kids from us just flying off the handle and doing, you know, just anything that came to our mind in terms of discipline. We were committed to, if we said something, we were committed to following through on it. 
uh, because we felt like if we didn't follow through on what we said, then it became meaningless. So uh, I don't know if that's what you, yeah. kinds of things you sure, were looking sure, for. Sure, yeah. yeah. Steve, same question. Just if you could go back to your younger self and, and give yourself advice, what are um, – just sticking with like those positives, what are, what are things that you look back and say, you know what? Yeah, I, I think we did this well. This is something that I would advise myself to do again or I would even advise younger parents now uh, to do with their young children, uh, again, preteens. Yeah, I think uh, you know, we made lots of mistakes, and I'm sure we'll have more opportunity. I'm hearing a lot of noise. Everything okay? Yep. That was me. All right. All right. Greg, uh, Greg was just throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we'll have opportunity to talk about our mistakes along the way. Yes. But um, I think something that we got right was, uh, because someone helped us with it, was we did expect our children to obey us. That sounds very basic, very simple, but... Um, there was a time when we didn't. We had our first child. We married in 75. We had our first child two years later in 77. We had our second child in 78. Then there was a five-year gap. Then we had two more kids. Uh, those first two kids were essentially Spock babies for about three or four years hmm. because, because Debbie and I knew absolutely nothing about parenting, and we got the default position from my upbringing, became our position, and the kids pretty much got to run wild and do whatever they wanted. We were at a church picnic one day, and they were wreaking havoc and terrorizing everybody, and I didn't notice it. So one of the guys from the church came over and saw me that afternoon and said, i got to talk to you about something. Yeah, what is it? It's your kids. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh. So you know, he gave me the lowdown, and he was right, and he did it very lovingly. I still remember his name. It's Steve, and I won't tell you his last name. Um, but, but he gave us some ideas on how to, uh, you know, when you ask your children to stop that, they should actually stop that. Yeah. And if they don't, you ought to do something. There ought to be a consequence. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we started uh, doing a much better job at at teaching our children to hear our voice, look in our eyes, mm-hmm. you know, stop doing what they're doing, pay attention to us, and do the thing we actually wanted, or there would be a consequence. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were old fashioned too. We spanked. I don't know. Do Christian parents today spank? They all did back, you know, when mm-hmm. we were raising our mm-hmm. kids. Or is, or is it just too legally scary that a lot of people have given up spanking now? Does anybody know? Uh, I, I know several of my uh, younger friends who have uh, – or, or friends my age who have younger children. Uh, it depends. Some mm-hmm. of them do. Some of them don't. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one set of friends in particular um, – and Greg, you know them. Talk, talk about them later if mm-hmm. you want. Um, but they, they decided they weren't going to spank their children and it wasn't out of anything uh, negative. Um, both of them said they were spanked growing up and it wasn't like a really negative pushback reaction. His his whole thing was just in evaluating it. He just felt like spanking wasn't really an appropriate punishment. He just felt that if um, you know if I'm trying to che- teach my child not to hit somebody, why would I hit them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he felt he was just sending a negative message. And he said um, up until this point um, uh, that it has been working out for them in terms mm-hmm. of not spanking. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would I, I would chime in and say. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. I think of myself as a young family, but we're really not anymore. I'm 45, so my oldest is 17 and my youngest is 7. So when we're at uh, Samantha's events, my 17-year-old, you know, we often meet people and, and we feel like we're on the middle or younger side of those parents. And when I'm at uh, Ella's events, when she's 7, I'm, I'm the old fogey, you know, and, uh-huh. you know like 28-year-old parents. Um, and talking to a lot of the parents here at our church at Christ Fellowship, a lot of them do not spank. 
And mm-hmm. uh, in many cases, I would say it is because even Dobson, I don't know if you heard this, Dave. I heard uh, him say this years ago. It might have been in response to his revised <laughs> Dare to Discipline mm-hmm. book that he envisioned a day. And he, he wasn't really commenting positively or negatively where Christians will unlikely spank because <laughs> of the intrusiveness of governmental mm-hmm. oversight yeah. and that sort of thing. So I do know some friends that say we find other means to do it. Uh, yeah. Without getting into too much, parents I know that are in the midst of adoptions or international adoptions oh, yeah. often wrestle with this because yeah. it's it's in many ways a shut down deal breaker. If uh, yeah. they you know a, some social worker comes in your home, mm-hmm. they want to hear that there is a no physical uh, punishment kind of rule. So it really raises this issue for Christians today. Uh, in a way that maybe it, it wasn't 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah, I'm entirely sympathetic toward that. If parents say, you know, we're, we're just afraid to use the rod, I get that. We had a family in our church. They were driving in their minivan around the Beltway with their their four kids, I think, and one of the kids was really acting up in the car, and Mama was in the back seat with her, and Mama got the got the paddle out and started, you know, taking care of business. Someone driving beside them on the Beltway saw it, took down their license plate number, called the police. This family got home, and the police showed up at their home, wanted to see the children, wanted to look at their butt, and all this kind of stuff. And it was really touch and go for a while. Like, are they going to take our children away, or what's going to happen? Because they were driving on the beltway. Wow. So, yeah, we'll just say to parents today, if you're going to use a rod, then be careful, man. It's just a crazy climate out there. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I mean, but can I say, don't you guys think like Donald Trump's going to fix all those things? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wrong, wrong, well, wrong I, podcast. Wrong podcast. I, I've noticed uh, in the younger generations the trend away from spanking. I haven't heard that as an argument as much as they just think philosophically that it's wrong. This idea of how can you teach your kids not to hit somebody if you're hitting them. I don't get that argument at all. I don't, I don't either. I don't understand that because my parents spanked me. And uh, I never thought, oh, well, they hit me. I guess I'm justified to go hitting somebody else. Uh-huh. Never, that never it's was. It's a, a different kind of hit. Yes, and I understood it. And and many times I understood that I deserved it. And looking back, I deserved them all. I probably should have had more spankings, really. You know? <laughs> so and and I can't imagine I, what I've often thought that about you. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't imagine what I would be like if I had not been spanked. Because wow. I don't know what I was just I was desperately in need of that kind of thing. And, I, and two of my three children, uh, Steve mentioned he has four. I have three uh, and their ages um, 43, 41 and 37. I have 11 grandchildren, but two of my three children I would call very strong willed. And I honestly can't picture how I could we could have gotten through the years with them if we had not had physical punishment. <clears throat> Yeah, I can think of families in our church, and I've got to be vague. Debbie (laughs) and I have been in their home and witnessed the children's behavior. I mean, like, terrorizing behavior. Wow. And the the stuff they do and get away with. And so many times I've just thought, man, just give me a paddle and let me give them a couple whacks. (laughs) We're we're just going to bring law and order right into this home, and they'll be amazed how fast it can happen. And it really is, there's a lot of truth to that. But I, I will say, I think just even on biblical grounds... You can justify the rod. It's in Scripture, uh, and I don't think it's a metaphor for you know deal with them in some way. But I think it's actually instruction. You know, use a rod. But in this uh, political climate, this cultural climate, 
I'm not upset if parents decide for, for legal reasons, now we better avoid that uh, and they choose some other means. Just so the other means you know, hurts enough in some way that it actually brings the kids into order. It's interesting, Steve. I, it, it reminds me of the topic that comes up often on this podcast in, in terms of uh, what we sometimes call absolutes, convictions, and preferences. It's almost like the parent has to decide, okay, obviously we live in a culture that isn't real hip uh, on um, Jesus being the only way to heaven. It's, yes. uh, you know, and obviously I don't think any true Christian is going to give that up. Um, but other issues uh, like this one, corporal punishment, you might say, okay, I believe it. Uh, I think it's something I'm justified to do biblically. Um, yeah. I, I may However, not, yeah, I, I may yeah. not pull a dare to be a Daniel in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think each parent, you know, mm-hmm. that, that sort of gets us into another topic, but it is interesting. And just for the sake of the audience, uh, David, Steve, tell us how old you are because I want to feel really young. <laughs> I'm 47. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I'll be 62 in August. My oldest kid is 40, and my youngest one is about 29, I believe. Gotcha. gotcha. We have 10 grandkids, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah, you're pretty pretty close there to Mr. Shive. And Dave, you are how old? I'll be 70 in June. That's right. That's right. Now, Dave, um, uh, on a podcast a month or two ago, I actually had three or four people say, is Dave Shive 80? Because they, <laughs> they, you said I'll, I'll be entering my eighth decade yeah. or entering my eighth decade. Right. And people, well, that means I said, no, if you no. think about it, <laughs> you start at zero. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So he's seven. Just wanted it's to like clarify this, that. This is the 21st, yeah. cent- 21st century, but it's 2016. Exactly. Well, with parenting, I think what we're saying is that you can get locked into a legalism over method. Yes. And what uh, what we're really concerned about is uh, the principles that are and the the result, right? And I would say that uh, I don't care if you spank, but if your children aren't learning obedience, then whatever you are doing is not working. Mm. Yeah, Uh, amen. That they need to learn to obey. They need to learn Mm. to respect authority. They need to understand that when parents or people in authority tell them to do something, that the very best thing for them is to do that thing, and they've got to learn that because they won't learn that uh, automatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some some kids are especially <clears throat> strong-willed, and and it's essential that they get that at some point. Otherwise, uh, they're going to become adults, and it's going to get beaten out of them or into them in some way, and they're going to pay a terrible price, or uh, maybe they'll just smarten up. But I, th- I think that the principles of uh, – uh, another principle that I think is essential is f- for parents to understand that though you're, you're the parent, you can be a friend to your child also. And I saw that modeled by my father. That was one of the outstanding things he did, is I always felt like he loved me and that we were friends. Mm. There was never a blurring of the lines of authority. I didn't call him by his first name or, <clears throat> or you know, uh, I've got all my teeth so I can prove that I, <laughs> that I didn't do that. But uh, I, I felt he was my friend. He loved to go and throw the ball with me, and he, he seemed to enjoy being with me. Mm. And uh, that was something that really influenced me for my own parenting practices and really uh, that I tried to implement that when it's all over, I want my kids to feel like I'm their friend and that we can be friends. And so uh, I think that's a critical principle. Hmm. Good, good. Yeah, I, I, I love that. One of the things that I wanted to fit in here somehow, so here's a good place to fit it in, is uh, I, I'm really concerned about the thing I'd be most interested in is what is the climate 
in the home. And I'll describe two possible climates. I guess you could come up with more, but here, here are two. Is the climate more that of Mount Sinai or is the climate more that of Mount Calvary? Hmm. Hmm. Um, it, it's very possible to have such a strict approach. I wonder, uh, do any of you remember a book uh, back in those 70s when there weren't too many books and Dobbs was coming out with his stuff? Do you remember a book by a guy named um, Fugate? Does that ring any bells to anybody? It was a parenting book. Well, anyhow, Not to me. there was a picture of him and his family on the back of the book. They all look like Marines. <laughs> and, and the way he approached parenting was very Marine Corps-like, <laughs> very strict and so on. Uh, but it was a manual we found, and we used it for a while, and it gave us some help. Looking back, I'd throw that away real fast. Wow. Uh, because there was too much climate of, of uh, Sinai, too much smoke and too much thunder and terrifying all the people, and, and not enough Mount Calvary where there's just grace and mercy and peace dripping. So I, I'm concerned about the climate. You know, Paul says to the Corinthians, uh, the kingdom of God is in righteousness and peace and joy. joy. In the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, there's got to be righteousness. Mm -hmm. There are standards. There are laws. We call our children to them. We teach them to obey the laws and respect the laws. But there's also peace, Mm -hmm. and there's joy in the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is, and I want him to be in my home, where the kingdom is, and my home is part of the kingdom, there ought to be righteousness and peace and joy. So is there a climate of peace and joy along with the Mm -hmm. righteousness that, that we have in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that might be helped by something. Here's something I w- wish I'd done much better uh, as a, a parent of younger ones, maybe especially of teens. I'm getting ahead into teens. And that is uh, I would try to parent a lot more, as I am, I think, pastoring a lot more these days from my own posture of weakness so that I, nobody would think, Oh, he must, you know, they hear me preach and they think, wow, that's Superman up there in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I could never be like him. I wish I could be so mature like him, but I could never be like him because I only, you know, make myself the hero of my own stories and I'm the great model for everything and so on. I would much, much rather pastor and parent from a position of weakness and brokenness. Hey, I'm broken. Here's how I'm broken. We're all broken. So I'm not surprised you're broken. We can all help each other in our brokenness. And I want my kids to know, yeah, daddy's broken too. So it's not like I'm the righteous person, you're the little mm-hmm. sinners, and let me try and correct you. Uh, I'm a sinner too. Here's what I do wrong. Here's how God corrects me. Uh, I'd do a whole lot more of that mm-hmm. if I got to parent again. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about that with my grown kids. We have four sons. And every one of them says, oh, no, dad, you did great. I don't see any problem mm-hmm. at all. It was lots of righteousness and peace and joy and so on. But I don't think so. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I think we need well, more of that. Yeah, and we, we tend to be a little harsher on ourselves than our kids do if we've maintained a healthy relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg, <laughs> Greg, Greg mentioned that I asked my kids uh, two questions before uh, coming on the podcast. One was, uh, what are three things Mom and I did well as parents? And, th- and the second was, what are three things we could have done better? Uh. And uh, it's interesting, they both... Uh, said we were perfect parents. I know what they mean by that, but uh, they, you know, they said that. But at the same time, uh, my uh, my son said you were basically perfect parents in many ways. You always encouraged us. You set good boundaries for us. The few times that you did screw up, you admitted it and moved on. Nice. And he uh, mentioned the incident where I got kicked out of one of his indoor soccer games as a father. <laughs> I think I've heard this, Dave. <laughs> 
Uh, and and I, it wasn't for drunkenness. No, right? no, it wasn't. No, uh, I mean the, the the referee was just way over the top. I mean he's just little kids, and he was just being ridiculous. And and my sense of righteous indignation just rose up, and and I was just furious. Well, you know, I got kicked out. So anyway, uh, he said. Um, I've shared that story many times about how you got kicked out of my soccer game several times as a teaching point now that I'm involved with youth sports. The most important mm. part of that story is how you came back after the game and apologized to everyone. Cool. And I, yeah. I remember getting kicked out. I don't remember the apology part very well, but it's <laughs> funny that he would remember that yeah. uh, after you know all these years. My daughter said... Um, you were b- good role models. Dad played with us a lot. Mom read to us a lot. We played a lot of games together. I always saw you reading the Bible, singing, and home was a very calm, safe place to be. Huh. You were both honest. I remember one time Mom telling me to do a certain thing, and it was wrong, and later on she came back and apologized to me. Hmm. So, hmm. You nice. know, and so Kathy and I might would easily forget these things, you know, because when you, your kids are in their 40s, you know, you forget so much, but it's funny what they remember, mm. and th- those were things that they remembered. Yeah, well, that whole uh, idea of the home being a safe place yeah. uh, captures uh, Steve. I mean, it, you guys use some different imagery there, but the mm. Mount Calvary, the Mount uh, uh, Sinai. Uh, let me just uh, throw something in here because it wasn't even in our prepared questions, but um, let me guys ask you this. I missed the Gothard stuff which I sense uh-huh. was big in the 60s, 70s, yeah. definitely fizzled in recent yeah. years. Um, maybe I'll ask you this first, Steve, and then get your take, Dave. W- would you consider the Gothard stuff more Sinai-oriented? Is that a, a fair assessment? Fair question. Hmm. Well, Debbie and I went to the Institute in Basic Youth Conflicts quite a number of times, and then we went to the Advanced Institute and whatever, and later I decided, you know what? He makes a lot of stuff up, and there's a lot of legalism in this. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of bad scriptural interpretation. So I kind of parted ways with Bill Gothard. I'm sure he's a great guy. But uh, but I don't think we derived much from him about parenting. We derived more from him about our, our own lives and our own issues. Do you remember Dave Scheib? Was there much about parenting in that? Huh. No, I don't recall. Uh, I think there was stuff, but not as much. I mean, my our track parallels yours we went to quite a few of those and got a lot of good insights yeah scripture memory you know things like that there was a lot a lot of good stuff there but as i became uh, as i matured and and moved along i began to be increasingly troubled by things he was saying his his approach on music was just i thought was way over the top it was bizarre Yeah. yeah and uh so eventually we i just kind of you know moved away from him uh but I think there were some things on parenting, and I think anything he taught tended to be kind of regimented. Okay. Yes. Formulaic almost. And he would make a lot of statements like, you know, this is the biblical way. Right, And what he's really doing is making an application of a scriptural principle. His applications were equal to scripture. This is the biblical way to do this. And this was coming— really troubles me. This was coming from a guy who was not married and didn't have any kids. Uh, And I'm not saying that someone like that can't teach, (laughs) but he lacked that voice of authority, you know, because he didn't have— a wife, you know, he wasn't dealing, you know, he did a lot of teaching on the relationship of the husband and the wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, I mm. think I'm pretty much where Steve is on that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, to stay on that just a little bit longer, to kind of walk it through, um, 
another maybe intermediary in this process. We already mentioned Dobson. Uh, my sense is, can I say this uh, quickly? Are you both favorable to Dobson and his approach? Do you, do you think he's a guy that brought balance, biblical balance, common sense balance to his advice? I was happy. Yeah, on my part. Go ahead. Yeah, on my part, very much so. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean you know, I want to sign on to everything that Dobson did, but uh, I think there was a lot of grace and a lot of love and a lot of sanity uh-huh. as opposed to I, – I don't think you would read Dobson and come out with the drill sergeant approach to parenting or the you know, Marines approach to parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there was a lot of good stuff there. Interesting. Yeah, his, his, uh, I, I would agree. I was very happy with it. Uh, there's not much that I have moved away from him. Uh, his politics started to bother me uh, yes, qu- quite agreed. a bit, right. you know. But uh, in terms of uh, parenting and husband and wife, I thought his stuff was excellent, and it yeah. was well timed. I mean, we desperately needed it. Yeah, same here. A lot of our listeners, I know, uh, have mentioned Gary Ezzo. Are you familiar with him, both of you guys? Just a little bit. Is that, I am. Is that the okay. uh, what's what's his thing called? Uh, Growing Kids God's Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that he was at MacArthur's thing. church for a while, and then they all parted ways. They parted ways. Yeah. Uh, what I've heard was there was a, a pretty heavy dose of legalism. Yeah. Um, oh, very much so. In 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 his approach, and then uh, the Trip Brothers, who mm-hmm. have written a lot on parenting, or or maybe for our audience. Um, so, sort of smack dab in this reformed centrist mainstream evangelical <laughs> stream. Have you guys read the trip stuff? Uh, Shepherding a child's heart, age of opportunity. Yeah. It's fun- fabulous. It's yeah. funny for me as a parent and as a pastor. I was reading everything back then. Yeah. Uh, but once my kids got raised, you're like, and, <laughs> and I wasn't a pastor. Seriously, I had other things to read. I just I didn't you, have man. time for it anymore. Yeah, so I, I've yeah, completely man. lost track of that whole field. Oh, but at one time, I knew it all. Sure. I mean, I'd read every book. I, I I was on top of all of that material. Right, right. Now and, I have, yeah, I have read the trip stuff because I I needed to because some of our people were getting into it, and I wanted to see. All right, what is this? Mm-hmm. And my impression was, wow, it took how many generations? Christian parenting, as we know it, started to be written about in the 70s, 80s, 90s. It took you know maybe three or four generations, and I think we're finally getting it right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think they're just fabulous, parenting yeah. a child's heart. But I think these things tend to go cyclically, too. And, uh, I mean, I think of all the generations before James Dobson kind of came along and rescued us, you know, what did those <laughs> parents do? I mean, my parents came out of unsaved homes. They, were, they, they knew nothing. And they did, yeah. the, they but they prayed and they did. My, I was a, in a Christian home. They did the very best they could, and somehow God honored that. And all of their kids yeah. have followed, continued to follow the Lord. Mm, uh, but we can all, we, all three of the the boys can <clears throat> look back and see all kinds of things that we would never want to do that our parents did. Huh. Uh, yeah, so, you know, so you know, every generation has had to figure this out. And it's a lot of it's culturally determined. Now, I think I'm scared for what's happening because I see uh, really a lot of overparenting happening now. Hmm. When I take my grandkids to the playground <laughs> and I turn them loose to swing or whatever, and I'll sit off on the side and watch. There are parents who cannot be more than a foot from their kids. Uh, you know, this, this helicopter uh, kind of parenting thing where uh, they're constantly hovering. Yeah. If their kid falls down, they rush over, pick them up. You know, comfort them, even if the kid's not crying. And, and I just think there is there's now another you know wave of of bad parenting, if we can call it that, that's starting uh, to happen. Interesting. Yeah. You know that that parenting that you're describing might have a, 
a tinge of this in it, or on some occasions has a tinge of this. Seems like there are parents now, I guess there always have been, there are parents now who feel that their very identity of be, as being a successful Christian and a successful parent is bound up with, do my kids come out like really obedient, really mature, and especially do they come out loving Jesus? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, yeah. I'm a... I'm a reformed guy. I don't believe I can make my kids love Jesus. I sure want to lead them to that, but Jesus has to help them love Jesus. But anyway, uh, it seems like we're almost frantically obsessing over everything we got to do with our kids, fearing that, you know, if I get one little thing wrong, then they're not going to love Jesus and it's all going to be on my head. Yeah. And I would say to those parents, just relax a little bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah, let the kids go play yeah. by the swing. Well, I think that there are two manifestations of the same problem. If you uh, if you legalistically monopolize your children and make up a lot of rules for them, that comes out of a fear that if you don't do that, they may go and do something you wouldn't like. Yes. But I think this the other end of the spectrum is, has the same motivation of ho- when you hover over your children. That's also a fear. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it and, is. And so both are dri- they may look very different. One may mm-hmm. look very loving, and one could look extremely. Cruel, I guess, mm-hmm. but they both come out. Of, I think the the same heart problem. Hmm. Fear. Well, well yeah. said. Yeah. So great. Um, just to ask you guys, um, going into the teenage years, um, you, you guys Let's have not answered- talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a lot of people want to know about. Right? <laughs> it, yeah, um, because you guys did such a great job of answering both questions: what you thought you did well and what you mm-hmm. thought you didn't. And let's just kind of move into the teenage years. Um, what are some things? Um, again, let's start with those positive things. What are some things looking at the, your, your children in their teenage years before you were ready to kind of turn them over into the adulthood years? Um, what are some things that you look back and say, you know what? I'm really, I'm really glad that I did. X, or I'm really glad that they were able to experience these things, and and I was able to help them and encourage them in those things. Mm-hmm. Hey, before we do that, w- would you mind? I know you're the host; you have to keep an eye on the clock, so shut me down if you want to. But uh, another thing, I'm just thinking about when our kids were little. Mm-hmm. I don't think I always got this right. I think I could have done much better at this. Mm-hmm. Is uh, discerning the difference between are they are they just are they being a little rebel and are they being disobedient? Or are they just Need to sleep for an hour. Oh, are they yeah. just? Are they just? Yeah, tired? go ahead and yeah, go ahead or, and riff yeah, on that. Or, for are a they hungry? Bit. I think that's or are great. they? They're just feeling grumpy. I feel grumpy some days, and then I don't talk to Debbie the way I should, and then I have to apologize later. Is my child just being grumpy, and I sh- I shouldn't make this a big discipline occasion? Well, right. you should so say were, you should say I'll give you something to be grumpy about. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think looking yeah. back, I think there were way too many times when they were just tired and. A tired little body and brain, they can't control themselves. They don't have that kind of control. Um, and I should have just said, you know what, let me help you calm down and go to bed. And that would have been the end of it. Wow. So don't discipline for tiredness. <laughs> don't discipline because somebody's a little grumpy. Uh, don't, go over, don't go overboard on those things. No, that's, that's actually a good pivot, Steve, because I think the same issue you guys could address in the adolescent years too. Because, look, I mean, with little kids, you're right, Lisa and I, talk all the time Gosh, is this childish is this truly just what you said steve they're little they're puny in their yeah. mental uh-huh. development their emotional depth very underdeveloped brains yes yes so we we don't want to be hard on them in in that situation or is this sin is this obstinate rebellion they are defying because 
Look, I think you guys would be in agreement. They're capable of both, mm-hmm. of uh, operating out of both sides. Yeah. I get that question a lot uh, from parents uh, with adolescent concerns. Yeah. There it might be a little trickier. In other words, I hear parents saying all the time, I notice my kids seem uh, moody. Uh, my 15, 16-year-old son or daughter just seems That means they're normal. Right, right. That, <laughs> that sort of, and people are asking me, yeah. is this sinful? Are they, yeah. are they not honoring the God-given delegated authority that I possess? <laughs> or is, should I let it go? And just uh, maybe we could jump into it that way. And then, sure. Well, I, w- I, I would say ahead. a parent that <clears throat> says that might be taking themselves a little too seriously. Uh-huh. You know, <clears throat> to think that my kid, because I'm their parent, they can't be grumpy. Uh, know, or whatever. Yeah. And uh, uh, but but I, my daughter said something in her response where she, as she said parenting needs to be kid specific. Yeah. Yes. And, very good. And um, that was interesting because you begin to size up your kids as yeah. they get older. Yeah. And it's not being unfair to treat your kids differently because they are different. Uh-huh. They're also yes. in different seasons of life. Yeah. You can't treat Samantha and Ella the same way. Right. And, uh, and, and so then I had a daughter who is very sensitive and I had to treat her much different than I did the two boys. And between the two boys, they were wired differently Mm -hmm. as well. And, uh, so she said, for example, dad's silly notes and poems, which I wrote to the kids were meaningful to me. This is my daughter speaking. I'm not so sure they were meaningful to my brothers. (laughs) And I feel, Mm -hmm. I feel I needed more attention than my brother's. You know, and so she's recognizing that she was different, yeah. and uh, and that uh, posed a great challenge when they became teenagers. That's when parenting really started to become a huge challenge for us. Huh. The the, yes. the earlier years seemed like a breeze compared to the teenage years. Yeah, amen. And it's that point that everything changes, their personalities are changing, and if you take yourself too par- seriously as a parent, you're going to really drive those kids away from you. Huh. And and if they want to be grumpy, let them be grumpy. You don't have to let them be disrespectful. Uh, But uh, certainly they're going to be grumpy. Let them be grumpy. That's, whoa. Or or depressed or blue or whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, Let them be mad. Uh, You know, as long as it's not a disrespectful, they're breaking windows or cussing at you or whatever. You know, that, uh, you know, anger is a legitimate thing. And they're going through hormonal changes and all kinds of other stuff's going on. Yes, factor that in. Amen. Yeah. Uh, talking about kids being different, um, I've often thought that of our four sons, and they're also different. The oldest son, and I hope he's not listening to this podcast. I'm sure he is, but the, he's heard me say this, but I don't think he likes it. The oldest son came out of the womb saying, "Somebody out here is doing something wrong, and I'm going to catch them." <laughs> yeah, that's that's his like temperament. He came out as the police. Huh. Uh, the second oldest son came out of the womb saying. Let's have a lot of fun around here. What can we do? Huh. The third son came out of the womb saying, I feel pretty depressed today. Huh. The fourth son came out of the womb saying, I love you and I want to make you happy. How can I serve you? Huh. They're all just very different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to the third son who was uh, rather depressive, here's something I think I really failed at. Uh, I had never, I have now, I had never then experienced any real depression or significant depression like clinical levels of depression or anything he did Mm. and i completely failed to recognize it as a father and i completely failed to try to get him help as a young man Mm. to uh to deal with his depression and uh, to this day i'm not sure more help would have helped him to this day but to this day he still struggles a lot with with depression it's just who he is it's in him um i think one of the reasons i failed in that 
is I was very much under the influence of Jay Adams, the Christian counselor guy at that uh-huh. point. Yeah. And Jay Adams and followers like me tended to say, you know, if you're depressed, it's because you're not, you're not obeying God. If it's, you're depressed, it's because you're not finding your joy in the Lord. And, you know, it's a spiritual issue. Yeah. Well, all right, mm. some depression may be a spiritual issue, but I'm absolutely convinced that a lot of depression is, you know, other issues, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. chemical issues in the brain and all kinds of things. Um, so... I, I wish I had known more then, and I would have dealt with that very differently. And I would urge parents, if, if you see uh, any like psychological, emotional tendencies in your children that are going to be challenging for them, like depression, uh, be very understanding and try to get them some help and, wow. and take it very seriously and see if you can minister to them in that. Well, let me uh, – oh, I'm sorry, Nathan. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to jump in while you were talking about that, Steve. Um, maybe for parents, could you um, maybe give some insights into helping to decipher some of those things? Like what would be a typical teenage moodiness versus a child who is habitually depressed? Good question. Well, one of the things I would say is uh, do they act that way at school and around their friends? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's because their parents are getting on their nerves mm-hmm. – and they're not they haven't adapted to being around older people very well and uh, but i would notice with my kids they could be very sullen or just nonverbal at home and then their kids uh, their friends come to the house they go out in the backyard <laughs> and they're the life of the party right mm-hmm. you know so a lot of times you got to read the context uh, great insight you know, for why uh, kids are doing this and i would ask at school you know if you don't know ask the teachers you know is, is my child socially adapting or do they have friends at school and if the teacher says no they always sit off in the corner and they have no friends then that's a an alarm mm-hmm. but if uh they they are the you know social butterflies at school then it may simply be that they are struggling with their relationship with their parents and you can't breathe down their neck when that's happening you got to give them some mm. space that's good very good mm. that's yeah. good the good um uh just to, to put up Real fine point on this because I know many of our listeners, young parents, are uh, wrestling with this. Uh, Steve, I think you had mentioned getting. Uh, you said you know you look back, said man, I wish I would have gotten one of my sons some some help. Um, yes. Rather than sort of I, again going the Jay Adams way. Little uh, note to listeners: if you want to go back to our archives, find the one we did with either Zach Eswine, mm-hmm. right, Nathan? Yep. Spurgeon Sorrows yep. or Joe, Joe Thorne, Thorne the first time. Yep. Both of those guests dealt mm-hmm. with depression. Um, which I do think the church is doing a much better job in recent yes. years acknowledging yeah. as a legitimate yeah. phenomenon yes. rather mm-hmm. than just, yeah. oh, everything's spiritual. Um, so I want to ask you both this, and uh, it's interesting because we're talking to man in his 60s, man almost 70. Um, do And I want to ask each of you this. So I'll ask you first, Dave, and then Steve. Dave, any issue with young parents that say, hey, I'm going to take my kid to a psychologist or potentially a psychiatrist? medication explore those things a lot of parents ask those questions is that wrong your thoughts uh i'm not gonna say it was wrong it's wrong i think you've got to recognize that you are a product of your generation uh if those tools had been available when i was a kid my parents might have availed themselves Mm -hmm. of it Mm -hmm. in reality that wasn't my problem right i was a normal boy in reality and i think a lot of stuff that bothers us is actually normal behavior, especially for little boys uh-huh. who are antsy and fidgety, and uh, yes. and school uh-huh. schools are not designed to allow for boys to be boys. Yep, 
Yeah. You know, so that's part yeah, of my concern. And yeah. Calm them down. Yeah. And right. we have a feminization of our culture. We don't keep scores in, in, yeah. in sports, sporting events. I hate that. Because we don't want anybody <laughs> to get their feelings hurt, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, on and on it goes. And That's so, so I, yeah, I just think that we need You can't to... even play dodgeball anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or tag. It's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we used to kill each other in dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, that would be my observation is I don't think those things are necessarily wrong. I think they are overused. Okay. I think it's too e- easy to medicate your child when they're actually a very normal child. Uh-huh. And uh, and sometimes you don't have a frame of reference because all you might know is the teacher at school saying my your little boy is uh, can't sit still. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So would you say, Dave? I, I, I part of this I know you and I have talked offline mm-hmm. on this a few times that it's not. It, it could be wrong if it's your first instinctive reaction. Yeah. Oh my word, yeah. my child is sullen. Mm-hmm. I need to take him to a counselor. I need to take yeah. him to a psychiatrist, yeah. psychologist. Mm-hmm. It it may be after a period of assessment you consider that would that be a more um, yeah balanced yeah, way of yeah, approaching that yeah I, I think we jump to it too quickly okay uh, the therapeutic cure is an easy one because it's now fully acceptable mm. okay before it was <laughs> forbidden and uh, a no no it was unspiritual you know that wasn't right right now we've gone the other extreme with this also where it's just that's the way things are done now yeah and i think we have to have a certain level of cynicism and recognize that maybe that's not the best thing for my child yeah yeah good and i think we've got to have a, a clear sense of what it means to be a little girl and a little boy okay mm-hmm. you know yeah uh, on the other hand I think it's very important that parents recognize when they have a child who is not normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about boys who have a lot of energy because yeah. I agree with you completely on that, Dave. I think it's, I think it's horrible what the yeah. culture in some places is doing to boys. We should we should get Greg's parents on here to talk about having little boys that aren't normal. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be a, a terrific. Podcast. That would be a lengthy podcast, but that'd be a. What do you think, Nate? That'd be a four-parter. I know, right? Yeah, uh, exhaust that. Yeah. Where, especially as your children are, I'm not thinking of little children now. Let's think of our teens. So your kids, 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18, and very, very depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be very much in favor of a parent who's who's getting you know, wise biblical help and counseling for that child. I'd be very uh, in favor of them. Also seeing a psychiatrist who can administer the best meds we have for their circumstance. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with that at all. I have no problem with adults. I've, I've recommended to various adults, I think you should go see a psychiatrist. Uh-huh. And they have, and they, they've gotten some help. Um, another thing related to this, too, is uh, maybe this doesn't need to be in here. I'll mention it anyway. I'm thinking of a family I know now. And they're not in Trinity Church, Trinity people. Um, and I'm, I'm no expert on this, but I'm pretty sure their son is autistic. Mm-hmm. If not, at least you know, a touch of Osbergers or something. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize it. Interesting. Uh, they just think he's, what, he's uh, intellectual or something. Uh-huh. Uh, I, man, I would just encourage parents to you know, learn what that is, learn what the signs of it are. Look at your children, and if they've got some issues there, get them real help. But again, you you have other resources. I mean, especially, and I don't think that uh, school teachers are necessarily savants when it comes to diagnosing all this, but I think at least to go, if your child is in school, 
go meet with the teacher and find out what's going on in school mm-hmm. and how they're conducting yeah. themselves. And, wa- and then watch how they hang out with their friends and how they act. And if in all of those contexts you're seeing these disturbing <clears throat> things, then that's a clue. Mm-hmm. But, Good. but before you run anywhere to, to, to just fix it, I think a little bit more research should be done. Yeah, and I would uh, I would say one other thing. Do we have time? Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yeah, and I don't know if we're even close to your question that you posed, Nathan. <laughs> we can come back to it. That's but, right. one, but one of the things that my son and my daughter agreed on was that my son said uh, when I asked what could we have done better, he said you could have given stronger advice and held me accountable. Wow. Uh, and uh, he says I think you became more hands off as I got older. From your perspective, that was probably needed just to maintain a relationship with me. And if you had been more aggressive, I don't know how I would have responded. This is one of the most difficult things wow. for parents as teenagers, uh, dealing with teenagers. Yes. And my daughter uh-huh. said the whole thing. Uh, she said, on one hand, I love the freedom you gave us and how you trusted us to make the right decisions. You didn't hover. But on the other hand, I agree with my brother that there could have been more accountability, structure, and firmness with teaching wow. various life skills like finances and relationships. Hmm. And I go back to that time, and like every, probably just about every parent who's had teenagers, you look at them and you think, they don't want to hear this from me. Right. You know? uh, and, and every time uh, I try to talk to them, I feel like they're, they're respecting me by being, you know, sitting there, but they're not listening. They're right. Not, and, and I don't want to cram something down my teenage son or daughter's throat uh, just because I feel strongly about it. Uh, you know, and so I felt like if I pushed some of these issues, you, you fantasize when your kids are little that when they're teenagers, they're going to come to you and ask all kinds of questions yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and pick your brain and want to learn from you and, yeah. and get advice. Yeah. And maybe some kids do that. My kids didn't do that. Yeah. And so, uh, then, then you feel compelled to try to indoctrinate them or teach them or tell them things and i looked at them and i said they don't want to hear this from me yeah. you know and I, and so what they took as a lack of accountability i took is just trying to maintain some kind of relationship with my kids without driving them crazy mm-hmm. yeah and, that. and kathy and i were different in that regard and we had to talk a lot about this because she wanted tighter controls she was fearful that they were going to go you know Get in all kinds of trouble, which they did on occasion, you know, but that they're going to do this or that. She was afraid of all of this. And my approach was more like my father's, which is, you know, you can try and restrict them, but they're going to figure out a way to do it anyway, in all yeah, likelihood. And then what have you done? You've damaged your relationship with them. So I, you were kind of dancing around this whole thing as, as a mother and a father to begin with. Uh-huh. You've got these kids who are giving F off every indication that they do not want to hear from you. And so then my, my 40-year-old, 41-year-old, and 37-year-old children look back and say, you could have held us more accountable, <laughs> which is yeah. true, right. especially from their perspective. And now they've got kids, and they're trying to figure out how to talk to their kids who don't want to listen to them either. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very Interesting. Yeah. 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 Your, uh, your thoughts on that, Steve? Uh, I, just, I just absolutely like that. Um, yeah. I was going to switch gears a little bit. May I? We were talking about... Uh, you know, our children being individuals at some point here. And I think this is an area, another one of many areas where, where I failed. Uh, for example, uh, when we were, when our kids were teenagers, I happened to be part of a group of churches in the movement where we were fairly traditional and conservative in style. 
So I looked traditional and conservative in style. My oldest son was very happy to look traditional and conservative in style. He's the police. Uh-huh. Uh, our second son was not. He, he wanted a very different hairstyle. He wanted to wear different clothes. He had much more style consciousness. And I battled with him over that, and it was really stupid. Hmm. If I go back again, I'd just say, go ahead and have that hairstyle. In fact, you know what? I'm going to grow my hair that way, too, and we'll see how I look with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you like that music? Hey, let me listen to that music with you. Let's talk about hmm. it. Instead of just saying, no, we don't allow that music in our home. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, there's some music we wouldn't allow, but, man, I was really tight. I was ridiculously tight. Uh, so I, I would, I'd allow a whole lot more music at home. In fact, I'd be the one bringing it into the home Wow! and, and, and we'd listen to it and we'd enjoy it and we'd talk about what's right with it. And we'd talk about what's wrong with it nowadays yeah. rather than waiting. And then they're going to sneak out and listen to that music anyway, without me being part of it. Mm, and yeah. later they're going to go to college and dive into the culture without me ever being a part of it. I want to be a part of it while they're getting used to what's in the world around them. Huh. But I, w- I would give them lots more opportunity for individuality and individual choices of, um, you know, clothing, hairstyle, tastes and things. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys uh, one final question as we're, we're kind of wrapping down. We're winding on an hour here. So as we're – Wow, has that been an hours, hour? Yeah. So as we're winding down, I've got um, I've got uh, well actually two more questions for each of you. Um, but Greg, I'm actually going to let you kind of wrap things up. So Greg, I want you to be thinking about questions that you want to ask these sure. guys. Sure. So um, you've got kids, um, you know, in younger stages of life, preteen and uh, teenager, mm-hmm. and so um, you be thinking of something you want to ask each of them. But my question to you guys is. Um, you can offer someone one piece of advice, um, looking at parenting as a whole, um, one piece of advice, something that you would say, you know what, you absolutely need to do this. This, this will be life-saving for you if you do whatever this is. And then one piece of advice, don't do this. Oh, if, if you can stay away from this at all costs, please stay away from this. Um, so Dave, let's go ahead and start with you and then we'll jump to Steve. Well, I would say the thing that I would want is um – Uh, My daughter closed with this comment. You guys were and are great parents, and I'm so thankful for you. I hope my children want to still be around me, let alone talk to me when they are grown. And uh, I think that that was a a kind of an intuitive thing that was driving me is I was always asking myself, when my kids are 20, 25, 30, 35, what what relationship will I have with them? And how will what I'm doing right now ensure – that they want to hang out with me, talk with me, be my friend. Mm-hmm. And um, and that, to me, was a real guide. That helped me an awful lot in a lot of things that I wanted, that I, where I had to make decisions <clears throat> with my kids, is in the back of my mind, is I'm not just here to fix a problem today or make a decision for them today. I want to have a lifetime until I die and leave this earth. I want to have a relationship with all three of my kids, and I don't want to do anything unnecessarily that's going to mean that at some point we're going to have a fractured relationship. Wow. That's great. Wow. Steve? Yeah, one thing to be sure and do and one thing to be sure and not do. That was the question? Yep. I thought we were just doing the first one. We're doing both of them? Uh, yeah, you oh. Can, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Here, Dave, here you Steve. Do the second one? Uh, have the floor, Dave? Steve, why don't you do the first one and yeah. we'll come back okay. to Dave. Okay. And, yeah. and All right, we'll do that. So uh, one thing to be sure and do. I think that would depend on their age. So let me 
just pick something. Well, this is then. this is just thinking back over the scope of raising your child. Right. Uh, what is what is a piece of advice that that just a general piece of advice that you would give to someone? This is something that is is timeless in parenting that you want to make sure you're doing throughout their entire uh, stages of life. Yeah, I want to be sure that there is a fragrance, a distinct, if not powerful, fragrance of the gospel permeating everything we do as a family. The gospel, that is to say, they're always hearing about grace and feeling it coming from me as their father and their mother. Uh, they're always hearing about mercy. They feel that from me. They're always hearing about uh, forgiveness. They feel that from me. They hear about repentance. They feel that from me. And I'm doing it from a position of my own weakness. So I'm saying, yes, I'm a fellow sinner. We're both sinners. We all need the gospel. Mm -hmm. We all need grace. We all need pardon. We all need forgiveness. I think parents can tend to look perfect to kids. Not that the parents are making it that way, but kids look at parents like they're not sinners. They don't do anything wrong. I'm the one who always does all these wrong things. I'm guilty. I'm so bad. They, they can do that. Um, and true, they are guilty and they are bad. But they need to know I am too as their parent. So it's not just me, the perfect person, telling you the little mess what to do. We're all a mess. I'm messed up. You're messed up. But we go to Christ, and we find grace and mercy and forgiveness. A lot of fragrance of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Dave, something, again, just looking back over um, over a child's lifespan and saying, this is something that you just want to stay away from. I think uh, I learned a lot from my dad in this regard. He was a pastor, so I was a pastor's kid, and I was pretty rambunctious. I was borderline out of control a lot of times, even in church. Hmm. And you still are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amen. I, I can testify. Let's Preach not, it. Let, let's not get into my holy yeah. laughter. <laughs> but uh, the thing that he did not do that I didn't want to do is parent with an eye on to what do other people think about how I'm parenting, oh, you yeah. know, and to let Good. that influence how I dealt with my kids. Mm. Good. And yeah. uh, and he really uh, and and I knew I was bad, mm -hmm. you know. You know, as a kid, you can know you're you're wrong and you're bad, and still not have any desire to fix it or change it or know how to change it. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. a weird world. And so th then, when he would say to somebody something about how proud he was of me, and I mm -hmm. would be floored because I didn't think there was anything I was doing to be particularly proud <laughs> of. Uh, I thought that was really extraordinary that before other people, he could have been influenced as a pastor to be embarrassed by my behavior and to even overreact mm -hmm. and to take action because other people are watching. Yeah. Wow. And I decided as a pastor myself, I didn't want to parent my kids based on uh, uh, what other people thought mm. about my kids or how I was raising them. Yeah. So good. So good. <clears throat> Very good. Steve? Yeah, don't don't uh, don't discipline children out of personal frustration. Mm -hmm. So you just come across to them as a disciplinarian, mm -hmm. and all they all they sense is an angry, stern, disappointed, upset parent. Mm -hmm. Instead, discipline out of a heart full of love and grace and mercy. But you still discipline. Mm -hmm. There's still righteousness in Jesus' kingdom. Just make sure there's plenty of peace and joy as well. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, uh, I would do this better again if I could. I disciplined out of anger sometimes. I'm sure I did. Yeah. And I don't want. I wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah. Uh, just to tell you guys, I have a friend here who uh, uh, told me uh, one time. He says, "Greg, I I disciplined my kids the other night 
my my two sons, and I think I enjoyed it too much. Uh, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I know what you mean. If you're walking out with a sense of deep, yeah. abiding satisfaction, yeah. that might be a sign. Uh, where, where was right. my heart? That just felt so good. Well, I'll tell you a, 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 a real quick story. One of my kids, I won't name which one they know, uh, when they were 15, they were in a bad behavioral state in the home, oh. being very disrespectful, ruining life for everybody. And just going through a season, I knew it was a season. I didn't know what to do to fix it. But I kept telling this child, if you don't stop, I'm going to have to take extraordinary steps. Hmm. And we had told our kids as they were getting older, there comes a point where we want to stop having to discipline you and want you to start functioning as adults. And I had long ago abandoned spanking our kids because they were old enough that they shouldn't be spanked. Uh That's right. So anyway, I told him, finally, I was at the point where I didn't know what else to do. My words meant nothing. He was being disrespectful to my wife. I finally said, if you don't stop this, I'm going to spank you. Uh He's 15 years old. (laughs) And I I hoped and prayed that would be enough, but it wasn't. Uh Mm. So finally, I told him to go in the back room. I got a paddle, and we went in the back room. I told him to get down on all fours, and I got down on my knees next to him, and I hit him once Uh on the butt with this paddle. And as I was doing it, I had a mental picture. If if this behavior doesn't change, what is this child of mine going to be like in 15 years or 20 years? And it was heartbreaking. And I'll never forget, I think it was the only time I ever did this, but I broke down in tears as I was kneeling next to him. He was furious. He was so angry. He was crying. And then I began to sob. And I just dropped the paddle, and I'm kneeling there on the floor next to him. We're both sobbing. I put my arms around his neck. I'm telling him how much... You're breaking me up, man. Man. (laughs) Telling him how much much I loved him. And I realized that that was the heart that I needed to have towards my child. Yeah. Brokenness wow. yeah. over yeah. over not just what they have done, but over the potential of how much worse their life could be if their behavior doesn't change. Wow, mm. yeah. what a story! Wow, that is. I um, whew, that is a tough one to get past, Dave. That's um, well, I'll just say because Nathan said I could have the last question. Um, sort of relates to that a little bit, Dave, and I'll ask it to each of you. This might be a little more applicable to, to little children, but more I think about it to certain adolescents too. When I taught in Christian school settings, one of the things I would introduce sometimes, and I don't think there's an easy answer to it, so often in uh, teacher meetings, faculty meetings, people would say, you know, we need to get these kids to to understand that it's a heart issue. Their behavior is a heart issue. They need to do this for the glory of God. And I would ask, what if a kid isn't regenerate? Is it right to push a kid to glorify God and to do things with a motive to glorify God if he is not yet born again? I still, as a father of four, I'm 45 years old, I'm a pastor, I preach weekly, I don't have a definitive answer on that question. I've got some ambiguous ideas on, well, pagans are supposed to acknowledge God anyway. Uh, but I do think there's there's something to that question, and I'll put you on the spot first, Dave. What what would you say about that? If you think 
there might be parents listening and say, I don't know if I've got a regenerate yeah. kid. I, I think it's utterly irrelevant. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I think the reason it's irrelevant is because I dare say I could almost put money on it. If I asked that parent to define the glory of God to me, they couldn't do it. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Because, <laughs> yeah. because that was my exact thought. <laughs> I yeah. teach everywhere yeah. I teach, and especially in perspectives, I teach lesson two where we define the, gl- the glory of God. Yeah. And I find that these people who are highly ch- motivated to understand God's truth do not know what the glory of God is. Interesting. And and now we're saying I want my three year old to be motivated by the glory of God, and I don't. Number one, I don't know that most adults even can define the glory of God. Number two, how much are we motivated by the glory of God? That, that's the point I want to make. And yeah. I th- yes. and I think it can be a real Pharisaism to impose yes. this yoke of bondage on little children. Uh-huh. Yeah, to what extent do I, as a parent, do things to the glory of God? Yes. Huh. Easy for me to tell myself, well, sure, I'm a believer. I love Jesus. I'm doing all things to the glory of God. Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So, so how would you guys say, how do you, the parent that's that's feeling burdened with that, like, you know, because I talk to parents, oh, my kid, I just want yeah. to know that, that they, they care about God's glory and they care about yeah. his honor. I mean, what? what what do you say? It took me 30 years of life to care about God's glory, and I was raised in a Christian home and had all the advantages. Huh. And I think that in, in large measure, God is a nebulous entity to children. Uh-huh. Remember you told me one of your kids was telling somebody they believe in Santa Claus, but God's not real? <laughs> You know, this is out. Wait, you're not supposed to share that. <laughs> God's yes, not real. Well, it's true. It's true. Who is God to a little child? Yeah. The parent right. is God. Right, right. You know, not, hey. not that they call us God or believe we're deity, but we are the divine image mm-hmm. to children. And they see us, they can right. touch us, yes. they can hear us. And yeah. what they learn of us is what they're ultimately going to uh, impose upon God as well. Yeah. In large measure. You know, so a, a, a family visited our church, yeah, and they told me after the service, it was their first Sunday there, that when they came in, they took their seats. Their their child, who I think was maybe four, three or four, asked, they looked at me up in the pulpit, and they asked their parent, "Is that God?" <laughs> and the parents burst out laughing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. far from it, child. Yeah, um, that's funny. I, I think uh, also. Anything in the Bible that's right is right for people, whether they're believers or not. Anything in the Bible that's wrong is wrong for people, whether they're believers or not. Uh-huh. So if it, if it is right to do all things to the glory of God, then I should be doing it as a believer. They should be doing it as a non-believer. And it just convicts us both of our sins because I'm not doing too good at that. And they're not doing too good at it. It's not like, well, I'm the mature believer. I do all things to God's glory. Yeah, really? I think we're all broken people in that. Uh, so I can preach that one to my kids and not be... Uh, outrageous with it as an impossible standard. Um, the parent that's all frantic and worried, you know, oh, I just I want my kid to, to love Jesus and do all things. I, I would just remind them that uh, one plants and another waters, God must give the increase. Yeah. So yeah. your job is to plant and water. You're not, your job is not to be frantic about God giving the increase. Pray Good. for it, wait Good. for it. But, you know, be nice to your kid in the meantime. Don't treat him like, oh, until you've believed, it's horrible here. Nathan, yeah. can I recommend a book? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, my friend Tom Bissett, who might be oh, known yeah. to a lot of people in the Baltimore area, uh, 
from the Bissett family. Tom wrote a book a number of years ago called Why Christian Kids Leave the Faith. Excellent book. Yeah. And mm. uh, and so I would recommend that. That's a very thought-provoking book. It's full of anecdotes where he interviewed 200 kids who grew up in Christian homes and left the faith. Wow. To, to try to detect patterns of uh, why they did that. Then he huh. followed up with another book which is titled Hope for Prodigals. And in that book, he went back to some of the prodigals who had left the Christian faith but had returned to try to find out what was it that made you come back after you had left. And so they're two very practical books, both by Tom Bissett, and I would recommend them. Yeah, that's um, that's great. Um, and Greg, I'm actually going to do something a little impromptu here, um, and it looks like uh, we might be on the same my mind. Yep. Um, I'll, so I'll, I'll see too. That's for everybody. Yeah. So um, what we're going to do is uh, anyone who goes online and uh, writes us an iTunes review, um, we're going to include everyone in there. Yep. Um, so you know, if uh, well, obviously, if you've written one before, you can't double dip unless you go in under another name. And hey, we won't question yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> not that we're endorsing that, but but we won't know, question. Right, we, we, we you know we're not going to police it. Uh, but yeah, if you go online and write an iTunes review, uh, just remember, please, just like with all the other winners that we announced earlier on this uh, podcast, make sure you email us. These go to eleven uh, at. These go to 11, the number 15 at gmail.com, letting us know that you did that. Usually takes about uh, 24 hours, 12 to 24 hours for the the post to actually get up there on iTunes. So if you wrote it um, and it's not up there, uh, go ahead and send us the email anyway. We'll see it soon enough. Yep, yeah, and uh, iTunes uh, normally doesn't tell you. I've had a lot of listeners tell me that. You, you write it. You hit enter, it kind of disappears into the blue nowhere, yep. but it does show up within, like you said, about 24 hours. Yep. So um, you will get a free copy of uh, Tom Bissett. Is that correct? Yeah. Tom, Tom Bissett's book. And yeah. actually, Dave, he, I believe he wrote a second book called Good News for Prodigals. Yeah, I did mention that while you were, oh, while you were well, well, I, I, off. I was frantically writing, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, so he's got the, the two books on that, but we'll, we'll get you mm-hmm. at least the first one. Yeah. Uh, so the truth of the matter is Greg dozed off right there. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Or, and Steve Hartland, for you, anybody that says a favorable comment about Steve, I will personally provide a copy of Kenneth Copeland's Having <laughs> having Faith in Your Faith. Because, <laughs> <laughs> Steve, I, I, I'm convinced, brother, if you had had faith in your faith, you wouldn't have gotten this GI illness. Look. Dave Shives. Dave Shives not sick tonight. I'm almost seventy. Yeah. And I'm a picture of health. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, this has been um, so great. And um, again, we want to remind you about the um, the contest. Write an iTunes review. Get the free book. We also want to re- uh, let you know that in two weeks we are going to be doing our question and answer. So if you have yep. any questions, um, please send that. If you go on to the um, Podbean website, find um, these. Go to eleven on there. Uh, there's a little link in the headings where you can uh, forward us questions. We have a couple that we're going to be answering um, in two weeks on the 8th. We have a special guest coming next week. We're not going to say who it is. No, but very excited about yeah. it. Yeah, super excited. This is and a um, – Steve will be with us on that one Yep, next week. Uh, Dave, Looking forward to it. you won't be, brother, but we'll have you back soon too. Yes. We've got Dave for some upcoming yeah. ones that are going to be I don't want to be on with uh, Reverend James King. I know, man. He, he, he doesn't like you, man. I know. I know. I'm afraid – we're going to have a brawl right here in the studio. He, he doesn't like Steve either. Oh, okay. Remember, Steve, he, wanna, he, I, he ripped you. I want to know what kind of hearing he 
the Reverend James King operates with. Yeah, yeah, I know. He uh, I have some ideas. Yeah. Ideas. <laughs> yeah. What what were his parents like? Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> I bet he had a strict upbringing, a southern upbringing, no doubt. I, I think he needed some psychiatry help. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh, but guys, we um, we've actually turned this into a two-parter. So uh, great, great, great yeah, fabulous. And um, you know, again, uh, iTunes review Q and A, um, and then we will probably at some point revisit this in the future to yep. to um, expand because I'm sure many of our listeners will have many more questions and thoughts sure. to throw out there. So um, until that time, gentlemen, we just rocked the Casbah, oh, rocked it. These go to eleven. <laughs>